March Adventures of Poppy Art and the Pedigree Pickles. Pretty silly. I mean, it is. I, I, I can see it. It's, it's silly, silly. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, I, I have to salute Barney in there, uh, our engineer. Barney said that uh, recently he worked on an album. It's a fantastic album. He said it's a really great idea. And uh, for those of you guys out there that are, you know, casting around for new lives and all that kind of stuff, uh, he worked on an album called the Alibi Album. And uh, what it does, of course, as you know, uh, uh, in this day of increasing awareness, and uh, there can be a lot of uh, secondary bad effects of increasing awareness. For example, people get on to you quicker. Uh, in this day of increasing awareness and, and increasing cynicism, it's becoming more and more difficult to lie. Awareness sessions are generally uh, basically directed towards creating an inbuilt sense of suspicion on the part of anybody who goes there and say, suspect the evil motives of all the others, not yours, of course. So an awareness session means catching on to the other crumbs. Now, uh, th this has made it very difficult for many people. So uh, Barney and a couple of his friends put together an album called the Alibi Album. Now, what you have to do is you carry in your briefcase at all times a, uh, a NICAD battery-operated cassette player. See? And, uh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's all ready to go. See, it's a little thing. It's no bigger than, say, uh, uh, a thick TV guide, uh, even smaller than that. You can get them now that are about the size of uh, your average pack of uh, Lark 100s, right? And it's got a little speaker in it. You can even have one that connects right into the phone if you really want to do it right. You know, it's got a little suction cup. goes on the side of the phone. And so uh, you, you have a complete selection of these mini cassettes, which are various types of alibis. Uh, for example, on one of the mini cassettes, there is the sound of a very busy office. And uh, that's all, just a very busy office. And ding, ding, ding. Once in a while you hear, oh, yeah, well, you know, and it's a very busy office. Then there is also the sound of a very busy train station. You know, ding, 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 ding. Oh, number four, You know, there's a very busy train station. Then there's also one of the cassettes, one of, oh, I know, one of the cassettes is, of course, recorded in the terminal of an airline, uh, you know, a big airports, and you're, <laughs> you know, and that's a very, very effective one. And uh, I'll give you a, an absolute, uh, I'll show you how it works now, see, right? All right, you have told, uh, you have told whoever it is that you're flim-flamming, 
that you're on your way for one week to Atlantic City. We're in Atlantic City. They're going to have this big convention, see. You're a, let's say, a shoe repairman, right? And they're going to have the Shoe Repairman's International Convention where they have workshops on run-down heels and, uh, you know, on <laughs> all that kind of stuff, see, and uh, how to repair kid tennis shoes and stuff. So uh, they're having, you know, you got to go to this thing. You know, you got to keep your finger in the pulse of the new things that are happening in the industry. So this is what you tell the people, see. Whereas, actually, you are in this unbelievably swinging little pad just off the coast of the Gulf of Mexico, not too far from swinging Tampa. And you're there with a girl you met who is, uh, bears only one name. Her name is Chili. And uh, you met her one night. And uh, since that time, you've had some very wonderful times on the beach in this little place, which you know and you rent. And, of course, it's not easy, though, to keep up the, keep up the uh, flim-flammery unless you have uh, Barney's fantastic collection of mini-tapes. Now, here's the way it works, see. You're sitting there, see, and uh, you, you and Chili have just had, uh, you just had a couple of Sazeracs, right? And uh, you're, you're enjoying the hors d'oeuvres. You're looking out over the uh, sun, which is going down over the Gulf of Mexico. And you're looking forward to an exciting evening, which is really going to be exciting because you've got all this stuff planned. You're going down to the Zebra Lounge, and uh, you're going to, you know, being a dancing fool, you're going to dance your head off. And then after you get back, you and uh, Chili are going to have some experiments in communications. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a hell of a night. So, on the other hand, you, you've told Emily that you would call her every night at 6, see? You are now one day over how long that this thing was going to last. You were supposed to have been home yesterday already. <laughs> but you and Chili are really approaching true communion, and you don't want to break it off so quick, right? So you uh, search through your collection of mini-tapes, and you come up with this one. Now I'll tell you when. So you ha everything has to be cued properly. You don't let, uh, If you ever blow a cue doing this, friends, you're dead. I mean, you're worse than dead. You better not even go home, because you are liable to be greeted with 42... Very, very efficient lawyers, all of them who know every trick in a trade, and uh, they work, uh, <laughs> you know, they work the divorce racket, man. So you better be careful. Cues are important. You ought to rehearse these things. That's right. So you're sitting with Chili, and you say, uh, Chili, uh, I'll be right back, baby. Uh, mix me up another Sazerac. <laughs> and uh, hey, throw me my left sandal there, the one that's under the pillow, huh? Because she throws you the sandal. You say, look, Chili, I'm going into the next room. i got to make a phone call. See, you're flim-flamming her, too, you know. I got She thinks that you are an unmarried, unbelievably uh, accessible playboy. See, uh, you, you have to play both ends of the game in this life. So what you do, you say, look, Chili, I'm going to call down. I'm renting another Corvette for tomorrow. I want to get that blue one. You know the blue one that was in the lot? I'm going to call Avis. I'm going to get the Corvette. And uh, I don't want the, you know, I, I want to call and I'm going to give him the credit card and all that. She says, okay, but hurry back, baby. So at that point, he said, don't forget, I want that Sazerac now and I want it cold when I come back. So you run into the bedroom, you lock the door, and then you, you pick up the phone, say, and you very carefully selected your tape. You hook up the little thing on the side of the phone with the, with the suction cup and... Um, you, you wait, see, three beats, and then you, you dial the number where Emily is waiting. Already she's about to alert the state cops. You know, you haven't come home. Little Clarence is having trouble with his teeth braces, you know. He got some cabbage caught in him again, and it's now fermenting. And, uh, you know, it's a terrible scene. And uh, the, your dog, your, your pedigreed Airedale, 
for which you paid $12,000, for strange reasons unknown only to your Airedale, has given birth to seven mini dachshunds. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's all going to hell back home, but you don't want any of this stuff. You know, so you, you wait carefully, you got the thing all plugged up, you dial, dial a phone, see, and you hear, you just wait for about the third ring, see. You hear, and just as you hear it pick up, you hit the button and the cassette starts. Hey, baby! Hello, Emily! They just elected a president down here! I'm late! I'm on the committee! And I'll be calling you tomorrow at the same time! I gotta go now! Okay! That's all you do. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and at that point, Emily, of course, you know, sitting at home there, uh, she realizes immediately that you've been elected. You don't have to tell her ever what committee or what they just elected, but it sure as hell sounds like you're in the middle of an unbelievable convention. You want to hear that again? Like you could set it up. See, that's the rehearsal, right? So you wait. You go, uh, uh, uh. Hey, Em, 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 this is Shirley. They just elected him. Yeah. I'll be home tomorrow. Yeah, I gotta go now. I gotta go now because they're calling me. See, that's another variation. Works, doesn't it? Huh? <laughs> yeah, but you see, this tape can be used. All these cassettes can be used in various other uh, situations. You know, they're very handy. For example, uh, now, what if you're a, a person who is a true wallflower? You know, there are some people who just uh, just don't make it. You know, they really don't. And I'm sorry. Uh, their biggest excitement is every Wednesday at 8, they go to the Dale Carnegie meeting at the motel. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's just to simply not, uh, uh, that's not good for your reputation, see. And uh, so <laughs> so if you're having troubles that way, if people say, I don't know what's the matter with Stan. Stan is really a, a dish rag, you know. So what you do then is do it this way. Here you are sitting in your lonely little pad, you know, and your boss, We'll say, uh, Bullard, Mr. Bullard told you to call today. And uh, and your boss, by the way, is getting very worried about you because you're unbelievably introverted, and here you are. You're supposed to be a salesman, and you're nervous about it, and you can't even knock on a door without breaking out in a cold sweat. So uh, you have to impress him that you really are not that kind of person. So you here's what you do. You rehearse this thing up. You know, you, Here you are sitting in your lonely little pad. You've had your, uh, your uh, evening meal of Spam and the Bisco Crackers. And, uh, you know, the new low-calorie beer. That's the kind of life you're leading, you know. But all you've got to look forward to tonight is your is your weekly visit with Cannon. And uh, that's about your life, see. So uh, you, you, you carefully select a tape. Remember, you were supposed to call Bullard at 8, see. And Bullard uh, says, I want you to uh, call me up and tell me what time you can come in the office tomorrow to meet Smithers, right? So here's what you do. You set your phone up. And you very carefully wait. It has to be timed right, see. You plug on the side there. You put the little suction cup on your phone, your French phone that you thought you were going to get these exciting phone calls on. And the only calls you ever get is from your garage telling you're behind in your payments. So, uh, you know, you figure, damn phone, might as well get rid of it, you know. So here you are. You put the thing on the side. And here you went to such an extent you got an avocado French phone expecting, you know, these exciting visitors that would come. Here you come all the way out. From uh, from Griffith, Indiana, and you got a job in New York. You were going to live the exciting nightlife of New York, and what do you got? You know, the YMHA. Uh, that's about it. So what you do, you put this thing on the side, and you wait, see? And you know that Bullard, you know, he's out in Darien. 
So you, you dial the numbers, you dial three times, you know, and then you wait. It goes, ah, 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 and then you hit the button. Uh, hey, Bullard! Bullard, we're having a hell of a party over here at the place. Listen, tell Smithers I'll call him tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Oh, shut up, you guys! You know, that's it. Well, then he knows that uh, something exciting is going on over at your pad. <laughs> hey, listen, speaking of you, uh, people that are interested in, uh, in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, advances in America, and I, we all are, would you please give me my, my, uh, patriotic music, please? A little patriotic music. Uh, thank you. There we go. We'd like to salute once again American ingenuity and know-how. Yes, the American GI is known all around the globe for his unbelievable ingenuity. It was an American GI who built a Jeep out of two shell casings and one expended 30 caliber cartridge that carried his company to safety. It was an American GI in the Air Force who built a B-29 bomber out of paper clips and three rubber bands. And his platoon was therefore unable to escape from a tropical island peopled entirely by snarling Japanese soldiers. American ingenuity and know-how has marched forward throughout the 200 years of this country. Until today, we stand foremost in the world of ingenuity. Everywhere, nations look to America to come up with the greatest and the newest gimmicks. It was an American who invented the Frisbee. America brought the yo-yo to the world. The pop-top can. All these great advances in human happiness and joy were brought about by Americans. And so in this bicentennial era, let us salute American know-how and ingenuity in the world of the gadget. Set at ease. I'll bust every one of you down to nothing. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, well, after all, you got to control a band. When you're in charge of a band, you got to watch it, especially the trombone players. All right, now, here we go. Uh, I, w- I have to quote my old friend Marvin Kitman here. And, uh, yes, see, he, he uh, in, uh, in, in, a, in the Star Ledger, Marvin Kitman points out something that has, uh, I think, n- nudged the minds of many of us. I, re- I report by Marvin... Uh, Ed Ritchie, a noted industrialist and inventor, was watching a game show recently and was inspired to invent a product which could be a boon to mankind, particularly to television cuckoos. Ritchie noticed that all contestants invariably expressed their happiness and enthusiasm by jumping vigorously up and down and squealing uncontrollably at the same time. You've seen that? They jump up and down, see, and, and that's very important. Richie, they all do it now. They all do it. Rich, they must have jumping auditions before they, uh, they, I'm sure they do, of course. I mean, if you can't jump, you don't get on, uh, you know, the celebrity ding-dong. You just don't. Uh, Richie, who are all these celebrities that always sit around? Ex-comics, third-rate actors. <laughs> you imagine a real celebrity once getting on that Indira Gandhi? 
is in the center square next to Paul Lind, right? Uh, Richie <laughs> thought there might be money in a promising new product. And that's what brings it around. That's what that's what makes American ingenuity work. You agree, Barney? Money, bucks, dough. Yes, sir. He's driven right into it. Uh, Richie thought that there might be a promising product, a lot of dough in it, a product which could be as revolutionary as uh, as the new color cameras, see, or uh, computers, uh, which are being advertised at all times on TV. The product is, get that music up there, please. The product is special, fitted to each contestant, special foot springs. These are springs which uh, cause a person to jump at least three to four times higher than he would ordinarily jump. They are shoes equipped with springs. Uh, it, it, he is selling stock in his company called Jump for Joy, Incorporated, which will be producing foot springs people can wear on and off game shows. At last, the inventor claims, users of Richie's foot springs will be able to react as enthusiastically to events in real life. Like, for example, you come home, you know, and the little lady at the house says, it's meatloaf tonight. And you go, ah, 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 and you're bouncing off the ceiling. <laughs> yes, it's only Big Stan wearing his Jump for Joy shoes. Ladies and gentlemen, for the technically minded, the foot spring, except in engineering, is complicated, but basically it works like this. The spring is clamped to the shoe in the same way roller skates are used. Uh, wearers, Richie claims, will be able to jump twice to three times as high as non-wearers, and they will be able to do this indefinitely because it will require practically no effort. Just jiggling up and down and you'll bounce up that ceiling for hours on end. Now even those who have tired blood and are totally bored, even by winning $50,000 from Big Ed on Hit the Ding Dong, can jump for joy. <laughs> Yes, once again, American ingenuity plunges into the gap and brings new happiness and new excitement to millions. Oh, the parade marches on. The 200 years of bringing joy to the world we've just begun. Hooray for the U.S. of A. Forever upward and onward we'll go. Oh, we'll go higher, higher with our spring shoes. Very good. Very good. Oh, just think how that would work, man, I mean, in a political convention. I mean, you know how they have these demonstrations? And uh, just think how that would look. You, you put 12,000 delegates on the floor at one time with their spring shoes. Give me a little cheer there. And all of a sudden, the announcer, you know, the guy up on the, on the platform, and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, I take a great honor in nominating the honorable, the absolutely non-Korean patriot, the friend of labor and the friend of capitalism alike. Rufus J. Flyway of all, the presidency of the United States. Twelve thousand people. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. So let's try that again. With uh, we'll we'll now 
See, that's the old style. We'll now put them on their spring shoes, right? All set in there? All right, here he is. All right, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yes. All right, okay. The nominating speech concludes this way. And I take great... A little echo chamber would look good on that. Ladies and gentlemen and fellow Democrats, in this great convention of our great party, I take an unparalleled honor in nominating and placing in nomination the name of a man who has stood for patriotism, for labor, and for the free enterprise system, for peace and truth and brotherhood. I place in nomination the delegates from the sovereign state of Utah. The Honorable Rufus J. Flywheel, the next president of the United States. Fantastic image. 12,000 people leaping as one man on their spring shoes. <laughs> Did you like that? <laughs> Ah, George, I'll tell you, it's ever upward and onward. I feel good about it. You know, uh, I, I have to hate to say this to Mr. Ritchie, though. It sounds like a wonderful idea, but Mr. Ritchie, like many inventors, has merely reinvented another older and, uh, in some cases, probably even better gimmick. Oh, yeah. Yes, you know that there's a guy now being carried around the halls of a, of a, uh, of a famous uh, manufacturer out in the Midwest. He's invented a device. It's like a little tube, you know. It's funny. It's like a little tube. He's invented this device. It's a little tube, and it's got a point on it. And when you when you move it over paper, it actually produces letters with this fluid. It's a fluid, and you can refill it. Yeah, you can refill. You can buy a bottle of this fluid, and you just stick this little tube in the fluid, and it's got a little lever on the side, and you you pull it out, see, and it sucks up this fluid. It's about 50 times better than any ballpoint pen, which when it stops working, it's done, right? And this guy's being applauded. That's a fantastic idea. He's just taking a patent out on it, and you'll never guess what he calls it. Hmm? No, 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 no. He calls it the ink pen. Well, you can't... I mean, they, they used to have fountain pens, see? So he can't repatent the same thing. I mean, <laughs> now he's making it big. Well, wait a minute now. You're not the. You're not the. Uh, this is a tremendous, see, tremendous openings here for these things. Uh, as we go further into time, people forget old devices. Did you know that it took them like uh, a thousand years to discover the secrets of plumbing, which the Romans had known? Yes, they did. That's right. They had the whole thing going, you know. <laughs> and it took, and somebody forgot about it one day. He built this house. He forgot all about plumbing. And the next thing you know, they were building all the houses that way. And people were going out in the weeds for years. And then, of course, along came some guy, you know, in the late 18th century, thousands of years later. He says, hey, what, what would happen if we had this thing, you know? And you had the water to come to. And, and he became infinitely rich and famous. And his name has entered the language. No, it is not, John. <laughs> That's close. <laughs> His name has entered the language. Okay, he's a famous English inventor. 
It has. Do you mean you don't know what his name is? Well, I'm not going to be the one to tell you. After all, I have to protect the women and children that are listening. However, before we go any further, I don't know what's the matter with me. I guess because, you know, it's a new week. I'm all excited about it. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. What with the spring shoes? You know, uh, speaking of uh, spring shoes, I, 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 we haven't done this for a long time. We haven't, we haven't saluted a great American for some time. So, you know, uh, it's just, I think some guys are going to be selling, celebrating the bicentennial well into the 21st century. It's a real ding-dong to celebrate. And, uh, and I'm just curious uh, whether or not, uh, you know, uh, whether we're going to celebrate it by saluting great Americans. Like, say, uh, uh, who, who's, who's added so much color to America in the past 200 years? Politicians? No, I don't think so. I think they've added scandal. But not politics. They haven't added color. Color. I mean color, you know. For example, what is almost all of our television show stuff today about? Crime, right? In other words, the great colorful characters that America has contributed to the world are such uh, Well, they'll be talking about Al Capone probably for a thousand years. you agree? And his little caper on St. Valentine's Day. They will be talking about John Dillinger. Although Dillinger uh, was not as colorful as today's movies make him out to be, he was somewhat of a dull clod. See, he comes from the same part of Indiana I, I come from, so I know. Uh, that's all that comes from there. And, uh, yes, that's right. I, I speak. I, I have the right. I have the right. I have the right. If you're black, you can make black jokes, right? Right? If you're Jewish, you can make Jewish jokes, right? Well, if you're from Indiana, you can make Indiana jokes, right? Okay, and he's from Indiana, and I know his type well. They are found under many a grease rack, uh, greasing the cars all day long. Not known for the scintillating wit, but uh, <laughs> by the year 2000, you know, after he's been played by Kirk Douglas and a few other guys, he'll come off pretty good. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we have contributed these people to our time. And so I would like to celebrate a great American, please, a little American music. To, uh, there you go. Thank you, Barney. A little American music. I'd like to celebrate one of the great, one of the great American characters who has just passed his 100th birthday, Joseph Yellow Kid Wheel, or Yellow Kid Wheel, a legendary con artist whose grandiose schemes netted an estimated $8 million over the years. Old yellow kid is now in an old age home out in his old bailiwick of Chicago. He's probably still flim-flaming the people in the next room. Yes, and, and yellow kid was interviewed the other day on his 100th birthday, and he said, yes, I'd do it all over again. I certainly would be foolish if I didn't. I had a hell of a time. Yellow kid wheels. <laughs> By the way, he, he didn't do all this in the, in the ancient days either. His last big flim-flam, in 1949, he was acquitted on a charge of swindling the Little Sisters of the Poor out of a $3 million contribution. But that was his last hurrah. <laughs> well, at that rate, he could afford to retire. But the Yellow Kid, you, you mean you never heard of him? Yellow Kid, he was known as Yellow Kid because of his habit. First of all, he dressed elegantly. He was known for his incredible uh, sartorial splendor. And he, he, would, he would arrive at, at, at offices bearing letters from very eminent people, like, uh, say, President Coolidge. 
uh, introducing uh, Mr. Wheel. And by the way, even when people knew him, they were swindled. Because <laughs> they always felt that he had at last gone straight. And this was the time he's got the real deal. And he would come around, and, and he wore, why they called him Yellow Kid? He wore Yellow Kid gloves. Elegant gloves. Which were his trademark. And uh, hence, the Yellow Kid. Yellow Kid Wild just celebrated his 100th uh, birthday. And, uh, you know, he, he, he he's sitting around and somebody says, uh, you got 100 cakes and a candle there. He says, yep. 100, cakes and a, 100 candles on a cake, yep. And then he says, uh, later comment, uh, he says, you know, I'm charging all the people here in the home 25 cents a slice. Well, of course, what he didn't say was the cake was given to him. So he's got a little flim-flam going there. But Yellow Kid, once you're there, you don't stop. And we'd like to salute a great American. He probably, you know, won't see many more birthdays. But he added a little color to many people's lives. Oh, yes, it got to the point, you know, throughout the Midwest, that if you were flim-flammed by Yellow Kid, it was a mark of distinction. I mean, can you imagine how famous you'd be today if you got on... You could get on the Johnny Carson Show right this minute if you were actually held up by John Dillinger. Yeah, I don't know why they don't go out and book them. They're still around, you know. Oh, yeah, you could go out and find an elderly lady out in the Midwest whose uncle was actually shot by Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, they're still around. And so Yellow Kid was absolutely in their class. Even more, he had more style. I mean, oh, Yellow Kid. Well, it's part of the bicentennial celebration here. Celebrate all the great uh, Flim Flam artists of the past. Oh, yeah, don't forget, uh, we've had some good ones in the, just the past recent years. H.R. Uh, Haldeman is one of the better ones. And uh, we've, it's given the world a lot of things. Excitement, drama, good guys versus...